we've enjoyed a lot of great success there, I would say in the last eight to 10 months. And that has been due to a lot of really hard work by our team. What I've learned running the social media accounts for our company is that the more I talk about Sylvie and I, the more I share about what goes on in our lives here at work and personally, the more interested people are. Hi, folks. Thanks for tuning into the Food Startups Podcast. I am your host, Hema Reddy. On this show, we talk about some incredible journeys, the hurdles, the breakthroughs, the failures, and successes that shape the present and future of the food and beverage industry. So stick around for some exciting and insightful conversation. Well, hello, Food Startups Podcast listeners. This is your host, Hema Reddy. This week, we have on air Katie Jasinowski. She's the co-founder of My Superfoods. Back in 2009, she founded this company with her partner, Sylvia, at a play date in New York City. Their friendship blossomed into becoming business partners, and now they have got three product lines via My Superfoods. She shares several key insights from packaging to growth strategy to how to be successful in e-commerce and Amazon. Take a listen. Well, Katie Jasnowski, I am thrilled to have you on the Food Startups Podcast. How do you feel? I feel great. I'm excited to be here. Well, I was checking out the products that you have, you know, after we connected. And I was like, yes, I need these in my house. I've got two kids, two toddlers, and they're back to school. I'm like, you know, I've got to go ahead and order them. So I'm sure you probably get similar reactions from other moms. They're like, wow, they're cookies and they're good for you. And it must feel great to be in a space that is so underserved. It really does. And especially this time of year, I've been hearing a lot from families. It's funny how across the country, people go back to school as early as the first week of August and the first week of September. So it's just kind of this rolling wave of families reintroducing themselves to school. So yeah, we're all in the same boat. You know, we're looking for great food for our kids and something that's convenient and healthy. It feels really good to be here. <laughs> well, I'm glad that there is so much innovation coming into the market today and practically every category is innovating and coming up with a better for you option of products that were earlier just so not good for you. <laughs> High in sugar, saturated fat. I mean, people practically didn't have stopped reading labels. So we're living at a good time and it's it's good because uh, we have to. I mean, this innovation is essential because otherwise I am not sure how our next generation is going to turn out to be. So I'm glad this is a much needed change in terms of socioeconomic as well as just the awareness that's going on across the country. So yeah, it's a good time to bring products like this to the market. And I was actually reading on your website, you've got an amazing line of products, granola bites and bars, cookies, popcorn chips. What caught my attention, because the first thing that I always do is go to the about section on the website. And your opening sentence is friends, moms, risk takers, advocates, leaders, warriors, entrepreneurs, enthusiasts revolutionists. This is our super team. I absolutely love that. <laughs> I mean, that that is a good opening. You've got me and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like your ideal client. Um, but your bios are also so oh, thank you. <laughs> just true and outright honest and they have a level of good amount of authenticity in them. It looks like you have a great team. You have an amazing co-founder. How are you feeling? You know, how did it all happen? 
Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that would be easy to overlook, but because we're a small team, every single person that, you know, walks through the door in the morning really makes an impact. And we always tell anyone new that we're interviewing when we're filling a position, we play music and we laugh and we try, we try to have fun every day. You know, we're making healthy children's food and that's the kind of environment we want, you know, inside the walls of our office. So, I'm so grateful for our team. Sylvia and I met in 2009. It's hard to believe it's been that long, but we were both pregnant with twins living in Manhattan and in one of those mom-to-be groups that we were fortunate enough to find. And because we were both having twins, we were kind Mm -hmm. of in a subset and then a further subset having twins within a couple of months of each other. So we always joke that Sylvia was on bed rest and not very good at it. So she reached out to the little community and said, is anyone around to meet up for coffee? And four of us showed up. Wow. So truly, you know, bellies out to there. We rolled up to a table and had some tea and started to get to know each other and really bonded over that (laughs) shared experience. So, you know, becoming friends as new moms is really where we started. And we haven't forgotten the importance of that friendship all along the way. So it's so essential for us both to have a partner because they really pick you up on the days that you're down and celebrate with you on the days that you're up. And we recognize that that relationship is more critical than even the work that we do because that has to come first. Mm -hmm. People say finding or your co-founder or having a good relationship with your co-founder or business partner is trickier than a marriage. It is such an overused statement, but I mean, one cannot underscore that enough. Right. It's I, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. My, we joke because um, my husband, his personality and Sylvia's personality is very scarily similar. <laughs> and her husband's personality and my personality are the same. I mean, it, it's almost like we're making it up, but it truly is. I mean, as important as the marriage. But honestly, Sylvia and I spend way more time together than we do with our spouses. You know, that's just the nature of the time you spend at work and the time you spend at home. Well, I'm almost jealous of this. I mean, you find a good friend and a co-founder that you can share a common uh, dream with, and your husbands can also hang out whenever you get yes. together. I mean, you can ask yes. for more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're honestly, it's like family at this point. And I like to think that it was that way when we started, but you know, we are truly like a family. You know, our kids think that they're cousins and we go, we're going on vacation together in two weeks. And, you know, it's everything that you need to put into a strong relationship we put in, we do all that hard work. And so it doesn't mean it's easy and it doesn't require a lot of hard work, but we pay attention to that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a background in advertising, you're an ad exec. Mm-hmm. And Sylvia has a background in finance before, you know, you decided to start this company. Mm-hmm. Seems like a very good combination. In addition to how your personalities are so much in sync and you have, you know, a certain chemistry between you two already, but neither of you had any CPG experience. Is that correct? That is 100% correct. So how was it? Was it like pretty easy? Yeah, I got you. You got me. Let's go conquer <laughs> the food industry and, you know, knock uh... it out of the park. <laughs> I think there's there's an element of, you know, you have a dream for what it will be, but every single step of the way was a battle and a struggle and an uphill climb. You know, we had no idea what we were doing, truly. It was just our personalities are such that, you know, we had a plan and we wanted to go after it. You know, we were just going to, we were going to make it happen. And we didn't really know how or why, 
but it was just one Google search at a time. Yeah, truly mm-hmm. from the very first time we met in a little coffee shop, we just started making lists of things that had to be done and things that we had to learn about. And that's just what we did one by one down the list. And what year was that when you met at the coffee shop? So um, that was 2011. I had left advertising just before I had my twin daughters and Sylvia had stayed in her career in finance for the first 14 months her twins were born. So Mm -hmm. when she left finance, she had the intent to start something and she came over. I invited her and the kids over for a play date. The kids, all four of them were about a year and a half old. They were playing on the floor and she had kind of shared with me this dream of hers to start a company and she was toying with the idea of baby food. So at this time, all of those squeezy pouch, organic, transparent ingredient companies were really Mm -hmm. taking off. When my daughters were born in 2009, there were a couple of those options on the shelf. It wasn't what it is today, but as they went through the first 18 months of their life, that category just exploded. So as we talked, we said, well, you know, we're in this right now. There are quite a few companies doing this very well. It seems kind of saturated. I don't think there's anything new to do here. What about the stage we're in? You know, we're on the go more. We're reaching for convenient, healthy snacks more. We had a few brands that we were buying, but it didn't feel like enough. It felt like there were only a couple that we could really turn to that had cleaned the snacks up that we grew up on. The ones that you mentioned before that, you know, we just never knew what was in there. Mm -hmm. And literally over that two hour play date, had this great conversation. I had so much fun, but there was nothing in my brain that said, oh, you know, I should do this. And Sylvia sent me a text that night and said, do you want to do this with me? And I turned to my husband like, do what? You know, we were just talking and she said, well, well, you know, she was in sales and finance. I should mention that. So she said, well, let's just meet at a coffee shop tomorrow. And at the time I had 12 hours of babysitting a week just to help out with the girls. Mm-hmm. And I used one of them that next day. And I said, all right, I'll meet you. And we just literally over coffee started drafting up this idea. And this was in New York City? Yes. Yeah. So we started the company officially uh, in the summer of 2011 and had big dreams to launch our first product by the end of the year. But it took us 14 months to launch the first product because there was so much that we didn't know that had to happen between Mm -hmm. um, the starting point and the launch. I feel like that is one of the biggest time shock that that entrepreneurs that come from a different background, let's say a tech background, that you can pretty quickly in a few months two, three months, have a prototype out, put it out there, you know, product hunt or whatever, AppSumo or something, get some quick reviews, build a email list, and you're out there and you're iterating and iterating. When it comes to food, it's a different story. You've got to get it right. Mm. And then you keep on making it better. And, you know, it's always improving. We're always improving the packaging, the formulation, everything, the nutritional value, the message, all aspects are, are getting iterated. But there's not so many iterations like some of the tech companies would have because the impact is, it's harder to roll out. Mm-hmm. The time between one test and the second test is just can be long. So I feel like it happened for me as well. You know, I thought that I had been making this. Um, I, we make Wonder Nuggets, they're chicken nuggets with them, with the chicken and vegetables and whole grains, as well as it be a vegan one. But I thought we'll be out in the market pretty soon. And then, mm-hmm. of course, getting the regulatory permits, USDA, it just takes a while. And that's the hardest part in all my conversation with entrepreneurs. You know, we think that it would be just getting prepared for the amount of time it does take to go out there is the first shock that we get. And then there's many more that come after. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So your first product, what was it? Did you have the three uh, lines, the product lines when you launched initially in 2011? Or is this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we launched with the My Super Snack Granola Bites. Mm -hmm. 
the idea originated around, uh, especially because our kids were right around 18 months old. And so I liked the idea of a granola bar for a snack for them. It seemed to be a way that you could pack a lot of things inside, but it was also portable. So it was appealing in that way. But the thing that I didn't like is that at 18 months, two years, even three years, sometimes four years, a kid might take a bite or two or three. And then the rest of the bar is in the bottom of my bag on the floor Mm -hmm. to crumble. It just felt wasteful and frustrating. And so we decided to create this soft bake bar that was in a bite size version. And so that was the first thing that we launched. And that recipe started in my kitchen in Manhattan. I would just bake mini batches of sometimes two or three in the morning while my girls were like eating their breakfast or I just became this, like I would just whip up a batch. And then Sylvia lived about a 10 minute walk from my apartment. So I would pack the girls up and I would walk them over and she would test them out. And then we'd take them to the playground and all of our friends' kids would try them out. And it just takes a while. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's a long process. Everything that you said is absolutely true. You want it to be absolutely the best version. You really only get one shot. And especially with kids, you know, they're going to tell you exactly what they think, exactly yes. when they try it. So you want to make sure it's excellent. Over the years, about two years later, we launched our line of My Super Cookies. And then about two, a little over two years later, we launched the popcorn chips. And every time we get better, you know, it's that first process was just a huge learning curve. And we just get smarter and better about how we develop products and what people are looking for and how to avoid the mistakes we made in the beginning, because of course you're going to make mistakes. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's all learning process. So did you start off in a commercial kitchen or did you find a co-packer right away? How was the first year like? Yeah, we actually were very fortunate. The food scientists that we worked with to bring that product out of my kitchen to the market in a natural way without adding anything artificial, which in itself was very difficult. He was able to set us up with a small family bakery who partnered up with us. So they were the co-packer and they helped us come to market. We did explore the commercial kitchen route and I was terrified of that option because I had two 18-month-olds at home. Mm-hmm. And that was you know, going to be really long nights, very early mornings, finding people to work in the kitchen with us. It seemed something that probably would never be easy, but would have been much easier without children. Yes. So you know, we were really grateful that we were able to launch in that way. To put things in perspective, though, we can't underestimate what you did together. I mean, was it a first-time motherhood for both you and Sylvia? Yes. Yes. So first time moms, right? (laughs) And she has twins on top of it. I mean, nevertheless. And coming from different backgrounds, young kids, and you want to start a business in a totally different industry. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? (laughs) You know, but hey, the crazy survive, right? The crazy. (laughs) The inventions are mostly driven by crazies. (laughs) It's true. I think you need a little bit of that to really be interested in something like this, really starting anything on your own. I think you need to have a little bit of that, you know, just go for it attitude. Yeah. And then it also seems like you had the right ecosystem Mm -hmm. to support it as well. You know, a good co-founder, of course, we've talked about that, but also taking it to the park, those little bits of feedback right away without committing to like a farmer's market. And uh, what you mentioned earlier about deciding, making a conscious decision to not go with the commercial kitchen. Yes. You know, it's smart because a lot of times, you know, people tend to get lost in ambition and not using that self-awareness and practicality in life that, look, I, I probably would hate it and give up in like two months if you actually went that route. 
So what the commercial kitchen rod, but recognizing that and being smart about it and, you know, putting strategy as well as work-life balance into building the business the right way looks like, you know, the good way, a good way to get started. Now, I want to focus a good part of the interview into something that I feel like the listeners would really benefit from because I'm looking at where you are, where to buy, and I see a really good amount of distribution. I mean, Costco, Kroger, Whole Whole Foods, so it's a good mix of traditional grocery, uh, natural food channels, but then you also are on Amazon and Jet and Thrive and Tell Depot and Direct Eats. So I'm sure this didn't just happen. There's a strategy to excel in e-commerce, I'm sure, and then also manage your retail distribution, the channel mix on that front as well. So why don't we get started with the e-commerce side of things and then going to retail? How do you excel on Amazon? Because you've got a recognition there, right? You are seal of choice. Uh, you got a seal of choice for a second. Amazon's choice. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Mm-hmm. So how do you get to be Amazon's choice in a certain category? How do you get there? So Amazon has really been a work in progress for us, and we've enjoyed a lot of great success there, I would say, in the last eight to 10 months. And that has been due to a lot of really hard work by our team. Um, You know, Sylvia manages that mostly, but we're all really involved. And the club box of our My Super Cookies, so that particular product is our number one seller. That's the one that got the Amazon's Choice label. If you go onto Amazon Mm -hmm. and search organic cookies, it will be in the top three to five, sometimes the number one option that comes up. It really just depends on the day. And that is due to really a surge in customer demand and awareness. So that is what happened in this last eight to 10 months. That's Amazon AdWord campaigns and advertising and uh, social media awareness to tie into that. It's just a lot of hard work. There's no easy way around it. Just really mm-hmm. driving people to that page and that opportunity, that place to buy. What that tells us, so that's the product that has been sold in Costco that is also sold on Thrive. It's really I not see. a product that can be sold right now in traditional retail because they find it appealing, but it's a difficult uh, club option. Is not really one that you'll find in traditional grocery store right now, but the demand Mm -hmm. from the consumer is there. And what that tells us is what we already know, which is all of us, all of us with kids are looking for really convenient options. And that is our most Mm -hmm. convenient option. You know, it's 24 single serve bags of cookies. So I just put it in my pantry and I grab one and throw it in the lunch or in the car. It's being really diligent about the uh, marketing around selling online, but then also just giving customers what they're asking for. So if you think about it, if it's a new brand entering a similar category, they create a seller's like Amazon sellers account and create a brand. So what you're saying is what has worked well for you in terms of strategy and execution is doing a fair amount of research and understanding the keywords and the paid campaigns on Amazon. Yes. And then just driving people there with everything that you have, whatever you do. So what we do for marketing and advertising is pretty much just social media. I run that Mm -hmm. side of things. So if I'm doing an Instagram story and I'm showing you our stock room and the products that we have around or what we're packing up today, I might include a link Mm -hmm. to the Amazon page, you know, or run a giveaway for leaving an Amazon review because we're a small business and that really helps us explain to people how it helps you, how it helps your business grow. 
I think that a lot of people understand that there's this big algorithm behind Amazon and it's complicated and tricky and constantly changing. And that's absolutely true. But I think that if you have a loyal customer base and you have an authentic story and you share with them that if they go leave a review, it really could help your business. I think the loyal customers want to participate in that way. What I've learned running the social media accounts for our company is that the more I talk about Sylvia and I, the more I share about what goes on in our lives here at work and personally, the more interested people are. So it doesn't have to be a secret or feel like a sales pitch. It's more, hey, we have this great new product. And if it's something that you're interested in, we'd love for you to check it out on our Amazon page. And if you have time, leave us a review because it would just really help other people discover us. That's real. That's mm-hmm. honest. I don't think anyone should feel bad about that because people are coming to those social media pages to find out more. Yeah, you have about what 292 customer reviews for yeah. your the organic cookies, which is the Amazon's choice. Even the other products have a fair amount of number of reviews. I think one of them has over 100 reviews. So I guess to summarize, start with a good product, fill the gap in the market, but know that market really well, and you know fill that pain point and whatever is your choice of your e-commerce, drive people there, build authentic traffic, and then ask them for reviews without it coming across too salesy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. At what point did you branch out into Jet? Did they all happen at the same time? As well as Thrive Market. I mean, that's a great place to be as well because they're doing so, so well. Yeah, Thrive is a great partner. We were so lucky to start working with them several years ago. You know, they don't all happen at the same time. It's kind of, it's it's similar. It's a similar sales cycle to retail. Um, you know, you sometimes mm-hmm. the timing is right and they're looking for more kid snacks. Kid snacks are a category that just explodes every single year. And so at some point, the timing will hopefully line up for whatever category you're in. But it's really no different. It's just making those introductions and presenting the product and seeing what their needs are. And if, if that makes sense for both of you, I would say that e-commerce really isn't that different than retail in that way. Did you start off with e-commerce or did, was it the other way around? No, it was the other way around. Our first customer was Whole Foods in the Northeast. I see. Hmm. Yeah. So we got um, a tremendous opportunity there with our first product right out of the gate. And we never were set up to sell on our website. So, you know, people also buying groceries online back then wasn't what it is today. If you look up stats for what people went, how many people are going to be buying groceries, even in the next couple of years, it's just triple digit growth all the time. Yes. So that was important, but it wasn't our focus because we didn't have it on our own website. So we were really kind Mm -hmm. of going the more we had an organic, gluten free, non-GMO portfolio. And that's kind of where we were headed in retail first. Did you start off being organic, non-GMO when you first launched? The My Super Snacks are non-GMO project verified, and we had hoped to be organic in that product line. But because of the small quantity of ingredients that we were ordering, the price point on uh, several of our main ingredients was triple to go organic. Mm-hmm. It was a choice that we just made to get the seal of the non-GMO project. We transitioned them later to gluten-free, which was great for us. It was a place that we really wanted to be. And we do have plans to transition them to organic in the future because we're hitting volumes that we can, it kind of makes sense economically now. Gotcha. Yes. So as you are going through Whole Foods, Northeast, how was that expansion like? How was the first year with Whole Foods in terms of gathering? They share some data, right? After you are on the shelf for some amount of time. 
But how did you learn from it and keep getting better from your Whole Foods, initial launch at Whole Foods, as well as acquiring new partners? So the great thing about launching in Whole Foods Northeast is that it was right where we were, where we lived. And it was advice that we got probably right around that time by an entrepreneur who had a very successful company that went under. I had the opportunity to meet with him a couple of times and he gave me all this invaluable advice very graciously because of his experience. And one of the things that he said to me that I will never forget is stay in your backyard as long as you need to, to iron out all those details that are going to change. And he said, you just so happen to be in New York City. You don't need to go anywhere for a while. Just really saturate this market. And so it helped that we already had Whole Foods, but Sylvia and I were demoing ourselves in the stores. We were answering questions to the customers as they walked up and down the aisle. We were sharing the samples with their children. We were listening to the feedback. That's where, you know, we got feedback that made decisions for us for future product lines. That's why we pushed to eventually transition that product to gluten-free. You know, I think one of the most important things we did is really stay in our backyard. We grew very slowly and deliberately and that it takes away a little bit of the excitement of, oh, wow, you're starting a new company and you're in Whole Foods and, you know, is your husband going to quit his job soon? This is amazing. You you get those (laughs) questions all the time. It's like, well, we're selling cookies, so not really. Uh, This is a very slow growth. But it's uh, great advice. You know, I share that story with a lot of people because it's not the exciting path, but I think it's the smart path. And especially because we were women with young children who did this partly to control our own destiny. We didn't have interest in being in a corporate environment where we had to leave very early and come home very late. We wanted the flexibility to take our kids to the pool in the afternoon in the summer or drop them off in the morning at school. So all of that seemed to make sense for us, the way that we wanted to grow. And so all Mm -hmm. of that one-to-one feedback with the customers in those early years really impacted a lot of our decisions going forward. We still demo right out of the gate with every new partner that we can, because we know Mm -hmm. that we have very limited funds to put towards marketing. We're a very small, you know, company compared to all the CPG companies that we're up against. So if we're going to spend money, let's spend it in a way that gets samples into people's hands. And when it's children's Mm -hmm. food, they either want to try it because they know what their kids are going to eat at home or they want their kids to try it while they're shopping. That's the best place that we can put our money. Right. Now, how long is long for you where you decided to stay local or regional? So, you know, we definitely got opportunities outside of the region, but we, I guess a great example would be You know, you'll get opportunities by larger chains in different parts of the country, but they require, let's say, a free fill or a big ad commitment or slotting fees. And we actually, over Mm -hmm. the years, have said no to some of those opportunities because we had a very deliberate growth strategy. And so now we're able to say yes to a lot of those opportunities. But I would say, you know, the first few years, it was, can we support this in the same way that we are demoing and all over this growth and really aware of what's happening. Can we translate this in the same way across the country if we say yes to these three big new opportunities? Mm -hmm. Can we sustain it from a co-packing standpoint? Can they grow with us? You know, you really have to think about all those things just before saying yes, which again is the exciting thing to do. But does it really make sense for Mm -hmm. you? Can you really support it? It's just a three-letter word can make or break business. So if I were to ask you, let's just say, if we go down the memory lane, it's, you know, 2011, you, you know, conceptualize the product, you launch it. 
you're in Whole Foods account uh, a year or two down the lane, you have a good sense of how the landscape is and who the, the key part and the players are. If somebody were to ask you, what's your channel strategy? What would you say? How would you explain that in a few sentences? I would say that it's evolved. I would say that in the early years, it was very focused on the natural channel. And over the years, we have expanded into food service. We've expanded into some exporting. I think the opportunities are a lot wider than we initially thought. And it's better for us to remain open to new ideas than to get pigeonholed into what we think, quote, should be the place for us. And how did Club happen? When did the Club channel materialize? And what can you share about younger brands that want to pursue being in Costco or Sam's Club? So we launched our line of My Super Cookies in summer of 2014. So that was a huge surge for us. There was a big demand for that product. We got a lot of of great opportunities once that launched. And Club came, you know, in the following year. And I would say that it's an exciting opportunity for a small brand. And there are a couple of different ways that you can enter what we, the opportunity that we had was on a rotation basis. So it's basically a 13 mm-hmm. week in and out rotation. And that it's a sustainable opportunity, I think for a small brand, it's still very impactful and exciting on your business. You know, we could support it. We traveled to the, we happened to work with the Bay Area Costco region. So Sylvia and I flew out and we spent two days during our demos visiting as many stores as we could, talking to customers. I think it's important to do those things to really understand the process and get to know, you know, even if you're a shopper in that store, to fully understand how your brand is being represented. We were able to talk to the in-house demo team and share a little bit more. And as we were walking away, we could hear them kind of reiterating what we had told them. So I just think Whatever the opportunity, whether it's club, which might feel really big if you're just starting out or, you know, your neighborhood store, the more you can help really share your story, because if you're competing against a bigger brand, they can't compete on the authenticity. So the more that you can, you know, highlight your brand attributes. But every time we walked into a store and spoke to one of the demo team members, they were shouting from the rooftops, these are, these are really the mom, these women made this, you know, and then people would kind of come over and they were really excited for us, (laughs) you know, and, and we all get that, you know, we want to support, oh, oh, you know, you did this. That's amazing. I want to support you. That feels a lot better than just this, (laughs) you know, maybe empty, hollow. Yeah. Here's the product. This is the price. This is, this is how many is there. But the thing is that we see that a lot happening still where, Oftentimes, um, brands and businesses tend to forget how important it is to to repeat the story. And it's true for every relationship, the store managers or the demo staff, as well as a buyer meeting or meeting with a distributor, where if it's not only about the numbers and the product and the competition and, and all of that, at the end of the day, how would you tell your story better than anybody else? And that just takes you so much above and beyond. And oftentimes, we just tend to get lost in the numbers and forget that. So it's good to keep repeating that we need to do that consciously as a brand and then execute on that with every category of people that we talk to, you know, be it the industry segment or sub-segment or mm-hmm. the trade they're in. Absolutely. So, okay. But, well, you know, well, first of all, for having started a business in 2011 and being in, you know, the club channel in 2014, that's pretty it admirable was very stuff. Yeah. Um, and in fact, that's awesome. <laughs> So uh, what were your few lessons learned that attributed to your success for growing your retail presence other than the product market fit and the storytelling? Can you think of anything else that you were like, geez, you know, I'm glad we did this. 
I think something that's important is being aware of your competition, but not getting too focused in on it. And that's really true of, you know, competition, even being other small brands. One of the most valuable things that we do is attend trade shows in the industry. So we go to Natural Products Expo East and West, among others, but those are the big ones every year. And what we realized over the years is that they're not only valuable shows because we're meeting buyers or packaging companies or ingredient suppliers. They're valuable because we have developed relationships with other entrepreneurs And sometimes that can just be great from a standpoint of somebody truly understanding what you're going through in a way that no one else in your life does. It can be valuable because they might say, oh, you know what? I have this great contact at whatever store. I think that, you know, they're really looking for something like you. Let me, let me share their contact info with you and see what happens. That happens all the time. And sometimes that leads to something, you know? So it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's being open to what your competitors are doing and what the market is doing and what the industry is doing as a way to learn, but then also being open to connect and also remembering that there is no one way to do this. We have all met people in our lives who have said to us, if you don't do it this way, you're never going to succeed. And there's something that inside of us just says, "Um, I'm not buying it. Because if there was one way to do it, we all would do that one thing and we would all be the same amount successful. Mm -hmm. But I think the people that I appreciate and value the most that I have met through this journey are the people who say, this is what worked for me. And I would love to share that with you, but it could be really different for you because we're probably going to take little bits and pieces from everyone around us and then mold that to what actually works for us. So I think we've been really successful and fortunate to meet a lot of different people been able to take all those little gems and help propel our own company forward because of them. Do you have a formal board of directors or an advisory board? We don't. All of our investors at this point are friends and family. So there are a couple that are Mm -hmm. new investors that have expressed interest. And so it's something that we will probably develop in the next year in a probably more informal way than a larger company, but just as a sounding board and a way to check in with new ideas. Yeah. So nothing, nothing formal at this point. I want to repeat that just for the listeners that, you know, you've got a good amount of distribution, both e-commerce and across different categories and different food channels. And you still haven't raised any institutional, you know, money as such or invited bigger strategic partners. That is, well, first of all, a good place to be in because now you own more of a company. You have more ownership into the company and more decision making uh, process. So is there a reason why you think now that you are ready for bigger strategic partners or institutional funding? I think at some point we'll need it just from the standpoint of running out of friends and family who can support <laughs> us in the way that we need to. And also just needing a larger infusion of cash to you know, take the next steps now that we're in a larger amount of stores and have larger production runs, you know, it just requires more. And also, you know, product innovation Launching new products requires quite a bit of cash right up front just to invest. Absolutely. So I think, you know, we'll get to that point. We've been really fortunate not to so far, but it will be coming. Yep. Yep. Now, it's a very cash intensive business. And if you want to continue to grow the brand above and beyond, it's just nature of the businesses. They bring multiple things to the table other than the cash, the expertise, the distribution. I mean, there's so much to gain from when we have the right partner working you know, alongside us. So I want to hit one more element, your marketing and your messaging. 
what goes behind your head? I mean, the one thing that I'll bring up as an example is, is the child avatars that you have, the super kids. It's almost like the persona of your ideal client, mm-hmm. but presented in such a fun way. So it looks like to me, as a person that's getting to know your brand, there's a conscious thought and effort on what we want to project what we want to say, how do we have the brand voice come across different, you know, touch points, uh, be it web or your Instagram channel? You know, do you have a content marketing strategy, a team? How do you structure your marketing plans when it comes to digital marketing, particularly content? So the super kids really were just modeled after our own five children. Sylvia has since had a sixth, so we need to get her a super kid. Cannot get more authentic than that. Um, Well, it's funny because we don't we don't hear this a lot, but we have heard, you know, have you thought about diversifying the group of kids? And we said, well, we would, except they're ours. So, you know, it's really just a reflection of, you know, who they are. But Mm -hmm. we wanted to make it fun. You know, it's children's food. We wanted to make it bright and colorful. Again, when we started, our kids were, you know, kids as young as two years old are influencing purchasing decisions. And anyone with a two-year-old knows that to be true. And so when you're walking through a grocery store, you know, they're pointing and grabbing and reacting and we're looking for things. So we make sure that on the front of the packaging or, you know, on every square inch of that packaging that we're communicating the nutritional benefits, but we also want it to be fun. So that's, you know, where that came from. And we try to maintain that seamlessly throughout everything that we do. The messaging on our social channels, again, is just try to create that authentic story to express that, you know, who we are and what our team does and that we are really moms and we are really, you know, sitting in this room together and making this dream possible. I think that in the last six months, I've had a really great opportunity to sit down with some very heavy hitters in CPG marketing. Just by nature of people that I've connected to over and over and over, they have continued to tell me to share our story. I just so happen to be the person behind Instagram and Facebook in our company. So if you message me, you're going to hear back from me. And what I try to tell myself is, even though it might sound very redundant to me to say, you know, this is what we're doing today, or my name is Katie, something as simple as that, I try to just continue doing because most of the people following along don't know all of those things. A couple might, you know, just because I've said it or heard it a thousand times doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of new people out there checking us out for the very first time. And I want to make sure that they get to know us because it's really, you know, our story behind everything. It is just important to continue to put that out there and not feel like, oh my gosh, they're so sick of me because I, I just don't think people are paying attention as much as we think they are. Well, I mean, it's it's also the fact that we have to understand how the flow of social goes. At the end of the day, marketing is a human science. Uh, you know, we're communicating to humans as humans. It's also the science part where it's not just talking to the people that know you, which is the warm traffic, but the cold traffic that's coming your way. How do you retain them? How do you continuously service the new people, the new influx as well? And it's easy to forget that, yeah, you know, it's my home, it's my Instagram, it's my messaging, people know me, but you're so right that we're constantly gaining uh, new traffic coming. And how do we retain that traffic on a daily basis or, you know, periodic basis and continue to grow? 
but it's good to be conscious of the fact that yes, you know, they need to know the new people need to know who Katie is and what we do and what they can do to help support you. Yeah, absolutely. We've also been really fortunate this summer. We have an intern with us who has helped just create a lot of content. So I'll just go, you know, we'll sit down and I'll say, you know, I just need images that look like this and highlight this product. And she's just off doing all this work. So it's also finding people that can help you with those things so that it's very easy to open Instagram or Facebook or any of these social platforms and go really hard for a couple of days and then say, well, that didn't work and then give up. It's this very slow build and you have to just be there. And so if that requires finding somebody for, you know, the summer or, or all year or whatever to help make that possible, that has really helped us uh, tremendously to have that catalog of images to draw from because mm-hmm. You know, we're all spread very thin. There's there's not very many of us here. And so then we know it will really happen. We'll really keep pushing forward. So what's the vision, Katie, that you and Sylvia have for the next five years or seven to ten years? Where do you want to be? Where is my super foods going? So I think what we would love to do is continue building our portfolio of snacks. We're not done innovating and creating new products. So that's definitely a big part of it. We have a social mission that gives back to local food banks. We have five partners across the country right now, and we would love to continue expanding that network. We work with Feeding America Food Banks, so just continuing to grow that across the country and give back to families in need. And then also just continue to become a brand that anyone in a family could see on the shelf and pick up and trust. And certainly, you know, check out the ingredient panel and read what's on the label and really, you know, understand what they're about to purchase and eat, but really just come to know us as a brand that they can trust. I think that's really the ultimate goal. Well, Katie, you've been a wealth of knowledge. Oh, thank you. So much value. I mean, from everything, from channels to taking a product to market to marketing strategies, content creation strategies. And At the end of the day, keeping it together in a true, authentic way and continuing to pay conscious attention to remain that and grow the business, you know, while staying true to your mission and values and purpose. Well, this has been an amazing interview. Thank you very much for your time. How can people find you? So we're on Instagram at MySuperfoods, Facebook slash MySuperfoods. Pretty easy to find us on social or MySuperfoodsCompany.com. Well, perfect. I wish you the best of luck. You know, you've got a great portfolio of products and amazing success already. You know, hopefully we'll meet one day sometime, but definitely keep in touch. I would love that. Thank you so much. If you found value in what you just heard, take a couple minutes and subscribe to our channel. Even better, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Join the mailing list on our website so you can get notified of new episodes and learn how to build and grow your CPG business.